Welcome to the Awesomers.com podcast. If you love to learn, and if you're motivated to expand your mind, and heck, if you desire to break through those traditional paradigms and find your own version of success, you are in the right place. Awesomers around the world are on a journey to improve their lives and the lives of those around them. We believe in paying it forward, and we fundamentally try to live up to the great Zig Ziglar quote, where he said, you can have everything in your life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. It doesn't matter where you came from, it only matters where you're going. My name is Steve Simonson, and I hope you will join me on this awesomer journey. If you're launching a new product manufactured in China, you will need professional, high-resolution, Amazon-ready photographs. Because Simo Global has a team of professionals in China, you will oftentimes receive your listings photographs before your product even leaves the country. This streamlined process will save you the time, money, and energy needed to concentrate on marketing and other creative content strategies before your item is in stock and ready for sale. Visit simoglobal.com to learn more, because a picture should be worth 1,000 keywords. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. You're listening to episode number 102 of the Awesomers.com podcast series. And for those uninitiated, just simply jump on over to awesomers.com slash 102 to find out about today's show notes and details. Now, today is part two of a three-part series with Luz Gonzalez. And Luz has been doing all kinds of fun things, as you probably learned about yesterday in our part one of this uh, series. But in addition to all the peak performance stuff that Luce has worked on and investigated and, and been a part of, she's also the founder and CEO of Conviv, which is a friendly money coach app. And Conviv allows people to make better financial decisions with money that's currently in their bank account. As users engage with the platform, Conviv uses machine learning to provide customized financial guidance through smart notifications and insight. Conviv is a game changer for anybody who's struggling with their finances, living paycheck to paycheck, having irregular streams of income, like contractors, realtors, etc., and those who are part of the gig economy. Or it's really for anyone who just wants to have better tools to manage their money. So we're uh, definitely thrilled that, you know, Luce is working on this very important app, and, and we hope that you guys jump over and check out the Conviv app when you get a chance. Now, again, this is part two of three in this Osmers series with Luz Gonzalez. Okay, we're back, everybody. Steve Simons is joined by Luz Gonzalez. No, Luz Gonzalez. See, my pronunciation, I, I always mess it up. Sorry. Luz Gonzalez. <laughs> you got uh, it perfectly. The Osmers know my record is below 50% on pronunciation. It is <laughs> it's remarkably bad. And honestly, it doesn't get better. Uh, you've coached me already, and I my memory is just terrible. So... Uh, uh, we just talked about before the break, kind of your experience coming up, your parents, grandparents, siblings, etc., and a little bit about your undergrad experience. What happened after the undergrad? Did you go on to further university studies? Uh, what, what happened then? Yeah, you know, I, I was that kid in high school that, you know, got the straight A's. I had the 10-year plan and nothing would, you know, have me straight from the 10-year plan. And on the 10-year plan was... Uh, we're gonna finish undergrad and then we're gonna do Teach for America and then I'm gonna go to law school, a really good law school, and then I'm gonna become a prosecutor for the International Criminal Court. As you heard from my bio, that didn't happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> Spoiler alert, we already know. Yeah, yeah carry Spoiler on. alert. Uh, and so I, I did a few of this, well, I did, I did all the things. Um, did Teach for America right after coming back from the Netherlands. I went, I taught fifth grade in San Jose where the school where I taught was in the in the center of what's called the Ring of Fire, 
And so those were the three most powerful gangs in San Jose. Also, oh, this wasn't inspired by the Johnny Cash song. This was uh, gang related. Okay, sorry, I got off track there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, uh, yeah. That's an older reference for the uh, Osmers out there who are <laughs> above forty. Uh, but yes, so the <laughs> Ring of Fire was between three gangs. Yeah, yeah, it was between the the three most powerful gangs in San Jose, and I really wanted to go back to a neighborhood that was similar to the neighborhood that I had grown up in. And, you know, tell my kids, I was teaching fifth grade, tell my kids, if I can do it, if I can get out, then you can do it too. And I have the highest expectations for each of you. And I expect you to not join gangs, to work really hard, to know that you can get out of the, the cycle of poverty or, you know, low standards or whatever it is that you, you find yourself in. Because, you know, I've, I, this is where I come from. So I did that for a couple of years. It was really a powerful experience. It continues to shape who I am today. Um, another experience that's part of who I am today and, and colors everything that I do is I did gymnastics for 16 years. So I was a very hyperactive child and my parents did not know what to do with me. And so very early so like, on, go run laps, go jump exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So they took me to my first gymnastics lesson when I was three years old and I came back and I slept and they were just like, hallelujah. And so from there on, I did competitive gymnastics for forever until I went to undergrad. And the reason that I bring that up is because especially doing the, the sort of work that I'm doing now with the coaching what I learned from being part of competitive sports is that if you have someone who's pushing you to hold yourself to the high standards and who's going to be in your face about it and tell you, I know you can do more. I know you can be more. Stop, like, stop complaining. Start doing. Uh, that was really, really formative, especially being in Mexico. I, had these, I was doing rhythmic gymnastics and I had these crazy tough Russian coaches. Uh, and I was the, the rear, you know, eight year old who was running bleachers, like up and down the bleachers for an hour. Um, so that, that sort of, that informs all of the, I don't know, like the grit that was developed. And so doing teach for America. And then I, I, I don't know that anyone could have convinced me not to go to law school, but I wish somebody would have tried. Um, oh, interesting. Isn't that yeah. fascinating? Because your plan was already like, it's happening. Exactly. It's, there's no way you're getting off the rail. But if somebody yeah. had given it a go, you would have gone, maybe they would have helped me. It just, it would have, I would have liked someone to ask me some good questions. Since then, when people say that they're going to law school, I'm like, let me have a chat with you that, you know, I wish somebody would have had with me. And so I just, Given, given the, the background that I came from, I, in terms of impact, I saw a few defined ways of doing things. I could do impact by being a doctor or by like being a lawyer, right? It was like sort of those two things. And I thought being a doctor, the quality of life, it just really doesn't work for me. And I guess lawyer is not that much better, but I just, you know, I look at the people who have changed the world and they all happen to have law degrees. So can't go wrong with that. And so you know, applied to, to law schools, got into Berkeley Law, and first year, hated it. Hated it. <laughs> I was seriously considering dropping out, but uh, I, there's one thing, I don't know if it's a good thing or it's for the most part, it's been a good thing. When I, when I say I'm going to do something, it gets done. 
right? And so uh, not, not much of a quitter. And again, that goes back to like the gymnastics frame of mind when, when, you know, when you fell off the beam, the coach wasn't like, oh, poor baby. It was like, get back on. And you would fall at, you know, a hundred times. And it was just like, get back on the beam. And so hated, hated the first year of law school. Uh, it was really, really tough. And, but I, you know, I, I finished law school, graduated. Uh, around the second year of law school, uh, I found myself hanging out mostly with the business school kids. I would, you know, hang out with them. I became the social chair for all graduate students, all 11,000 graduate students wow. at UC Berkeley, because I wanted to hang out with other graduate students other than legal ones. <laughs> sure, I understand. Yeah, you wanted to find a tribe that was fun to hang out in, yeah. Yeah, uh, and so found myself mostly gravitating towards the business school kids, and then started, you know, like the gears started turning, and I was just like, huh, I wonder if, like, business school would have been a good idea, right? If somebody would have sat me down and just said, Luz, what are you going after? What is it that you think a legal career will give you? I would have answered impact. I want to do something that matters and that's meaningful in the world. And I think I can do that best by being a lawyer. And they would have said, well, you know, there's different ways for you to achieve this impact that you're speaking about. Have you thought of you know, policy school? Have you thought of business school? Have you thought of any of these other? Uh, but I just, no, no, one, no one sat me down and had this conversation with me. So I went to law school. Anyway, uh, so around the second year, I started thinking like, oh, this business school thing could have been interesting. I just find myself gravitating towards that. And I, so I graduated. I was really interested um, in the weird intersection of genomics and criminal justice. And, you know, I went to the ACLU where I was, when you think of the legal world, the ACLU is as impact oriented as it gets. And uh, spent some time there and just patient, you know, I think as you get older, you just acknowledge some things that you're good at and the things that you're like, hey, I'm, I'm working on those things, but I'm just really gonna focus on the things that I'm good at and work with you know weaknesses i am not patient that's not my forte and so the thought of waiting for a case to spend like 5 to 7 years to finally go to court it just doesn't go with my personality and so even the aclu wasn't impact enough and you know the other options were like i would have to move to the netherlands or to new york to do this sort of international criminal stuff I tried international uh, arbitration. So I, I tried it all and it just really wasn't working for me. And so around that time, I'm trying to place it. I think around that time after graduating from law school, I went to a hackathon. And so speaking oh. about uh, life events that just are formative, right? This was one of those formative life events. And I went to a hackathon, not for me. My, I wanted my brother to, you know, the, the communities that I come from, um, I find a lot of the, you know, at least the Latino community uh, or just like the, the, the lower socioeconomic communities to find themselves being consumers of technology and not seeing themselves as creators of technology. Right. And so That's I wanted right. my brother to see himself not just as a consumer of tech, 
but a creator of tech. And so when I brought it up, I was really excited about this hackathon. He said he would go. I was just like, oh my God, he never says yes to anything. And so at this point, we're going to make this happen, right? And so I tell the organizers of the hackathon, I will be a volunteer. I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. So you just tell me where I'm going to go. And so (laughs) they put me as a facilitator for a group of kids. And I got to see these kids coming from under-resourced backgrounds, underrepresented backgrounds, using technology to solve problems, meaningful problems in their own community. And, you know, as silly as it sounds, it was just like the heavens opened, the angels sang, you know, unicorns did whatever unicorns do. And it was one of those like, ah, moments where you're just like, oh my God, this This is what I've been looking for literally since I was six years. This is the sort of, this is what moves impact forward. And I, at that point, I knew that I needed to be in tech in one way or another, that tech was going to be part of the answer of how we move forward, ginormous, you know, positive social impact. And so it, I don't think it had that sort of an effect on my brother, but it changed my life. <laughs> well, yeah. really, the brothers are rounding here at this stage. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, you know, it's very interesting to me that you had one of those literal aha moments, right? Where you could, you felt it all kind of line up and go, hang on, there's something happening here. Yeah. And for, for those keeping score at home, unicorns, uh, they shoot rainbows out of their, their uh, single horn. <laughs> that's, that's what happened there. Uh, you may not have been able to see it from your seat. Now, <laughs> for those, uh, you know, not not a lot. Of everybody's been to a hackathon, or they even know ah, what a yes. hackathon is. So help uh, the uh, awesomers out there understand what a hackathon is. They're not from the Bay Area, where all the cool yeah. Silicon Valley stuff happens. So tell us. Yeah, a hackathon is when people come together, and so this was a different kind of. Well, okay, I'll explain a general hackathon, and then I'll explain how this one was a little bit different um, in a way that's helpful for, for listeners. So. A general hackathon are people coming together, and usually a hackathon have a purpose. And so it can be uh, hacking around, you know, problems in the the world of education or around civic problems. So you, you find some sort of issue area, and then you come together to think about how technology could could make it better. Um, what sort of apps? What sort of you know, the the code that could allow an application or some sort of technology to really move things along in this problem area. And so this hackathon that I went to was, the the other thing that I'll talk about um, when it comes to hackathons is sometimes they can feel a little exclusive if you don't already, if you're not already a developer, if you're not already like an engineer who knows how to like build code. I know a lot of you probably have awesome ideas of what an app, how an app could make the world a better place or your community or your life. And I think sometimes we think, well, I'm not an engineer, right? Like how, like where, where is the space for me to play? And there is a space for you to play. And there are some hackathons that use tools that allow people like myself, I'm not an engineer, to take the ideas that they have and still be able to bring that, you know, that vision to life through technology. And so this hackathon that, that we went to was one of those where there were like different tools. So no matter what your background was, of course, there were engineers there. But if you weren't an engineer, you still had something to contribute and you always have something to contribute. 
Yeah, that, I think that's a really important point. So uh, particularly for those who try to go to their first hackathon or any type of event, sometimes they call them code sprints and this and that, but they're, they're usually developed around solving a, a specific problem or set of problems. And, um, I, you know, what I've found is that it can be intimidating if you're just with a bunch of developers because they're yeah. all talking about this code and that code. And, but it's really actually helpful. And, and to, even the developers ultimately, not always at first, but they will find value in a user's perspective or a, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, some other external perspective that's not just from the code perspective, but from the, you know, hey, you guys are talking about this, you want to accomplish this, but the way it's laying out doesn't make sense to me. And here's why that actually can have a, a very big effect on some of those things. So I think that's a very interesting story. A special thank you to our sponsors out there who are keeping the lights on over here at the awesomers.com podcast. Let's take a listen and have a commercial break right now. Empower, the name says it all. Connecting e-commerce entrepreneurs with great people, ideas, systems, and the services needed to stay business dynamic and to grow. Empowery is a network, a cooperative venture of tools and resources to make you better at what you do, because we love what you do. We are you. Visit Empowery.com to learn more. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Uh, there's been a lot of actually very innovative uh, concepts, apps, and products that have come out of hackathons. A lot of people don't realize it. Um, mm -hmm. I'm in Las Vegas right now. Oh, awesome. Conferences. So I've got the, the Paris artwork back here. So you mentioned uh, the actual Paris earlier. But yeah. uh, my buddy, he lives right across the street, or uh, he used to anyway. I think he lives in Utah now. But he started a company called Banjo as a result of a, a Google hackathon. And wow. they, they went together, started a, a, a uh, you know, concept of, around this idea, built this app. And today you'll find Banjo mentioned on you know, all the major news media on a pretty regular basis. Really cool idea, and they just they've gotten so smart, and now that company is you know worth a ton of money. But it's because brilliant people and brilliant engineers they all kind of come together to solve problems. So I I think that's very instructive, and I find it um, almost ironic that you are going to get your brother interested, and you turn out yeah. to be the most interested. Yeah, yeah, it, it was funny. It was really funny how that worked out, and uh, the the group of kids that I was mentoring or that I was a facilitator for that weekend they won the hackathon. So usually wow. these are like a competition. And so they won the hackathon because I, I helped. <laughs> of course, yes. That goes without saying that with your influence, they were clear winners, yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so because they won, they received tickets to the Lean Startup Conference. Nice. Uh, and uh, so I, I said, hey, you know, like they're going to need a chaperone. I think I, I would love to offer myself up to be a chaperone. Oh, you're a giver. You're sort of a giver. <laughs> and so then I, I went to the startup conference and it just, there, are, I, I, I'm figuring out what my, you know, my flavor of spirituality is. But for me, that was like, it just felt like a very spiritual or, you know, all the planets are aligned. Everything feels the way it needs to feel kind of moment where I was just, you know, in this room with movers and shakers, people who are thinking of using technology to just like solve whatever sort of problem. Uh, and, and I love being around that sort of person. And so that was really cool. And, and you know, for, for listeners, for people who are watching this, I would really recommend for you guys to look for startup weekends in your city. There's startup weekends literally all over the world. 
And that is a very safe and easy way for you to get started and just learn what it's about. So if there's a startup weekend somewhere near to you, do it. It's so worth it. It's, it's, I think you're going to find so much value. If you have an idea, bring your idea. You could pitch it. You could put a team together. Uh, if you just want to watch and be part of a team, you can join a team. And also, you know, today we are in an age of just information abundance. And there is an amazing class by Steve Blank that you can take for free that teaches you how to start a startup. It's basically called how to build, a, how to start a startup. That's what it's called. <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty descriptive. <laughs> yeah. And so if you guys are all interested in this world, just take, take the class. It's for free. It's, it's taught by what, like the, one of the creators of this movement. Uh, and so right now with the sort of access that we have access to, really the sky is the limit. If wherever you're living in the United States, if you have a vision of a, like a company you want to start, a business, small business, a movement you want to create, there are so many resources at your, at your disposal. And, and my wish is for you to, to really take the next steps to, to bring whatever um, excites you to life. Yeah, I, I quite agree. And I, I would just go on to, to say that I think you're, your journey to look for that point of impact landed on the right uh, spot on the board, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, yeah. uh, life is a game, right? You, you're on the right spot because there has been nothing, certainly in the last hundred years, that has impacted the world more than technology. It's happening exactly. every single day. Yes. And, you know, even in my, um, you know, 48 years, to think about, you know, the idea of changing the channel manually is a lack yeah concept right yeah. or people have this notion that you know somehow a microwave always existed you know the, yeah. in my lifetime the microwave came along the idea yeah. of watching a, a video of something i remember as a kid in 1977 watching star wars being in love with the movie i went to a, to a drive-through uh go ahead millennials you can look that one up <laughs> uh, and but i remember coming home after what an enjoyable crazy good experience and being sad that well, that's the last time I'll ever see that. And I, I remember trying to replay it in my head because there were no videotapes. There was nothing yeah. like that. So yeah. this evolution of technology and, and you know, we can continue on to, to show so many more impactful things, not to mention the internet and so on and smartphones. So you, you're definitely on the right spot there. And uh, so I'm, I'm glad you got there. I am curious, just as a, a quick aside, has your brother decided to pursue anything along that line or is he uh, more or less meh? Uh, more or less, uh, you know, he's, he's still finding his path. He's nine years younger, so he, he still has time, um, to, time. to boom into who he will become. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Well, I, it's, it's, it is interesting. Often I find myself when I, when I, I'm excited about something, I'll start talking to my siblings about it or friends about yeah. it. And at, at different times in their life, they're more or less receptive. Right. Regardless yeah. of my own feelings about it. And so everybody's got to yeah. you know, come to their own. Uh, I guess I guess what I worry about um, is that in some in some communities and in some and this this could be in you know, places all around the United States. You know, it could be places that aren't, you know, as, as in touch with Silicon Valley as we are here. Um, I think some people might think, well, that's not for me. Or they don't even know how to how to access it, how to make it their own. 
they might not feel invited to play. And I just, I want to offer up an invitation to everyone, regardless of where you are, whether it's, you know, Utah, Nevada, Tennessee, you know, Central Valley, uh, wherever, Alaska, especially given tools that we have access to, like you all, you all can make something amazing through technology. And, and, you know, someone that comes to mind, um, Jack Ma, so the, the founder of, of Alibaba, which it, it's a competitor, like the global competitor for Amazon. So you guys can imagine, you know, the, the, the might of this man, he literally came from the most um, modest, that's not even the word, the most like humble beginning. He, there was, I love, so he has, there was a book that was written about him. It's called, the, and if I'm going to be talking about books all the time. So if you guys ever want book it. recommendations, come to me. Um, so there's a book that was written about him. It's called The House That Jack Ma, that Jack Built, Jack Ma Built, something along those lines. And it's basically the story of Jack Ma. And so, you know, he, he struggled so much in school. He had to retake, I think it was a math class, over and over and over again. When he graduated from high school, no one wanted to give him a job. By no one, I mean no one. He, there were like, I, I don't remember the exact number, but there were like 25 people who applied for a job at Kentucky Fried Chicken. The only person that was rejected was Jack Ma. Where is he now? He is a multi-billionaire many times over in, you know, running multiple companies, multiple organizations that are touching lives of billions of people. Would you have ever, when you knew Jack Ma and understanding, you know, his, his, his origin story, where he started, would most people have thought that he would get to be who he is now? Probably not. And so my, my message to everyone watching or listening is, you, you like, you have that in you and the moment has never been more, just more abundant for you to take it into your own hands. I am not saying that it will be easy. I am saying you're going to have to work your ass off day after day after day and you're going to fail and you're going to fail again and you're going to cry and you're going to be broke and you're going to cry again and you're going to be sweating and you're going to be like, why me? But if you keep going, like you you can get out of whatever situation you're in or you can improve or you can build whatever it is and it, and it's going to take grit and it's going to take a lot of hard work and it's going to take vision but if you really want to there's nothing keeping you from from doing what it is that you want to accomplish in your life that's right you got to get back on the balance beam uh i yeah. definitely agree with you uh we're going to take another quick break when we come back i want to talk about uh any other kind of vital lessons and maybe uh Maybe a time uh, that you've considered giving up uh, on this entrepreneurial fantasy. Uh, let's, yeah. We're going to talk about that right after this break. We'll be right back. Hey, Amazon Marketplace professionals. This is Parsimony ERP, and we get one question over and over. Can you please tell me exactly what Parsimony does? Well, we'll try, but this is only a 30-second spot, so we're going to have to hurry. Connect to your Seller Central account and pull all the new orders. Enter the orders with all customer data. Enter all of the Amazon fees and charges. Store them at the item level. Generate profit and loss reports at the SKU level. Automatically generate income statements. Handle multiple companies. Handle multiple brands. Handle multiple currencies. Facilitate budgets and forecasts. Store all customer interactions in a sophisticated CRM system. Manage your supply chain. Project and task management. Maintain an audit log. Hey, you get it. 
That's parsimony, P-A-R-S-I-M-O-N-Y.com. Parsimony.com. We've got that. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Okay, there we go. That's uh, We're going to stop it right there and call that part two of three. Um, I know sometimes these... Uh, you know, jump-ins are a little bit awkward because we can't time all the conversations just perfectly. But we want to make sure that we're breaking these episodes up into bite-sized chunks so that you have the opportunity to listen to them in a reasonable amount of time each day. We're generally striving to have them be less than 30 minutes so that it's timed along with a commute or just a, a reasonable amount of time. So hopefully you guys are digging that. You can go to awesomers.com contact and tell us how we're doing on that front if you like the uh, shows in the shorter format that we've been doing these last week or two last couple weeks i guess so again this is episode 102 of the awesomers podcast series just go to awesomers.com slash 102 to find today's show notes and details well we've done it again everybody we have another episode of the awesomers podcast ready for the world thank you for joining us and we hope that you've enjoyed our program today now's a good time to take a moment to subscribe like and share this podcast Heck, you could even leave a, a review if you wanted. Awesomers around you will appreciate your help. It's only with your participation and sharing that we'll be able to achieve our goals. Our success is literally in your hands. Thank you again for joining us. We are at your service. Find out more about me, Steve Simonson, our guest, team, and all the other Awesomers involved at awesomers.com. Thank you again.